Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blue Surge podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. He is near and dear to our hearts and is the glue and core to our local Pokemon community and is probably a pretty big reason why we continue to play the game the way we do, at least in our local area. Brian, welcome to the Blue Surge podcast. How are you doing today, dude? Good. Thank you. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, it's having having somebody that runs locals that is positive and, and is there every week and is relatable. I think that's important. I think Joe would agree with me there. Absolutely. Brandon's greatly appreciated in the community around us. Always these people who goes go to our store, but he's greatly appreciated. He does a lot of hard work in the behind the scenes that no one really does see, but we'll also dive more into the stuff that he does behind the scenes that we don't. And he gives us all of the promos. That's true. But not the League Cup ones. Uh, no. The reason we have Brian here today is not <laughs> only is he a good friend, but he is also our local Pokemon professor, judge, whatever you want to call him. And from a judge's perspective, there's a lot of unique viewpoints and information that our listeners would not get otherwise. And we thought that as we are preparing for Worlds and kind of have this dead period, it would be a really good time to have these conversations. I know that the Unified Mindset list was released after last week's episode was recorded. I know there's a couple other things that we could talk about this week, but because we have pre-releases coming up, we have time for that stuff, so I'm not too worried. The first question that we have on the list here, just so people get to know you and so we get to know you a little more, how long have you been playing Pokemon? Because a lot of people usually have been playing for a few years, and I think your answer <laughs> is a little bit different than that. It's very different. Uh, so the game came out in what 1998 1999 yeah something like that somewhere around there well anyway all right i've basically been playing since then kind of uh when i first got the cards like i've been buying cards since base set um right but for playing i i quote played but just played entirely wrong uh first learning the game i thought your opponent took your prize cards that was fun uh, everybody thought that though <laughs> i get your card i remember actually i had a conversation with someone the other day who didn't know nothing about the game and they're like that's the game where they take your cards right i'm like no no that's commander silly <laughs> uh so one game i played i had six jigglypuff as my prize card no i, I rigged it didn't want i rigged them to it, take it. but anyway i've been playing correctly since probably about two 2000 area so basically the beginning yeah pretty much and would you say that's when you started playing quote unquote like (laughs) competitively like going to a local area to play with other people is that kind of when that started uh give or take um i actually have no idea how many and how big tournaments were back then uh i always went to a pokemon league because first it was at toys r us and then eventually when that ended um there was a wizards of the coast store in lakeside mall and so i'd always play there and then eventually that closed down and then when that closed down um there was a league in rochester hills 
And so I started going there. And when I started going there is roughly the time where I started to, quote, play competitively. Because that's around the time that Nintendo took over the game. Before the Pokemon company actually even existed. Uh, and so they were they would uh, start doing tournaments for like cities and states. And that's when I started playing like completely, quote, competitively. Yeah, so yeah, you've literally been playing as you said, before the Pokemon company existed. Yeah, there there was a time, youngins, that <laughs> uh the Pokemon company didn't exist. Uh Wizards of the Coast made the game and had the game, and then they sold it back to Nintendo, and then Nintendo ran the game until they eventually just formed the Pokemon company because Pokemon got too big. So <laughs> Yeah, remember the remember the old Wizards of the Coast cards too. They were nice and thick. They were dummy thick. Yeah, they, the thickest of cards. The <laughs> thickest. I, I think that's that's a really cool fact that a lot of people probably can't say about the game. I think a lot of people, me included, and I don't know about Joe's side on this. When the game came out, the card game, we all collected, and I was I was younger at the time. But somewhere in that late elementary, middle school phase of our lives, we all hit that wall. We're like, Pokemon's not cool. These cards are dumb. And then like six years later, we were like, wait a minute. These are awesome. And then got back to the game. I I feel like a lot of people did that with the game. Not Brian. Brian thought thing was cool. Just wait, y'all. One day, (laughs) Snorlax is going to have a card with Eevee on it. It'll be crazy. And here we are. I want to. I want to tell little me that. Little me. <laughs> yeah, when, when you go out, grow up, Snorlax will be worth three prizes. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's it's really funny because a really long time ago, when the the Poke Gym website was a pretty active forum, uh, there was always a big create a card section, and one of my friends, uh, this was shortly after the first wave of EX cards, the Ruby Sapphire ones. So those gave up uh, two prizes, right? The original EXs gave two prizes. I, I believe so. I don't remember anymore. Uh, <laughs> but he made, I think, SPs. And I think they gave up three prizes. Eventually, SPs would become an actual thing in Diamond and Pearl era. Not the three prizes part, but just a, a gimmick called Pokemon SPs. And now with the tag teams, we actually have some that give up three prizes. <laughs> So the man predicted actually the predicted twice. it. That is insane. And I, I did look it up. Old EXs did have the two prize card rule. Okay. So you were right there. Uh, they, they looked basically like normal cards, right? I mean, they didn't have any crazy art to them. They just no. It, there was a, a, like a holographic silver border. That was roughly the only difference. Yeah, those cards are cool. And 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 I feel like at that point in the game, it was a lot more like you smack me, I smack you. Is that kind of how the game was? Pretty much. Um, I I mean, obviously, like back then, damage was significantly lower because hit points were significantly lower. Um, I mean, during Ruby Sapphire era, a little bit before even in like Johto era, um, like there was like a four energy attack that would do 40 damage and burn or something. And that was, quote, good. 
<laughs> Guys, this crazy car came out. Four energy, and it does fifty. We complain about four energy right now for doing one ten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, that's the biggest thing. Is obviously it's just standard power creep, but it, it's so funny to look at older cards now that were considered good, and it's like, does it's to like two energy for for like fifty damage or something or sixty damage in an effect. And like that was good at the time. Do you still have some of your old like cards that you put in the deck? Like, do you still have an old deck? I don't have any old decks because I'm terrible. Uh, <laughs> I have all my old cards. I don't have like multiples of them because uh, I I bulked out a lot of them for for money reasons. Uh, but I, I still have all my old sets and stuff. So. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I, I would I would say, and I, again, I think I speak for both of us here. And Joe, you can chime in here with this too. I I would love to have those old cards just in binders. I am terrible with organization. I don't hoard things, and I kind of wish I did to some extent. We are very different really... people, Mike. Yeah, I like I <laughs> I if I even when I'm cleaning up today, like I could be cleaning up my room, and if there's like Pokemon cards on the floor. If I'm really like in a rush cleaning, I'll just like trash them. Like yeah, I'm, if looking, it, I'm looking it, at a pile right now of energy cards on my floor. Yeah, if I see a fighting energy on my floor, like I'm cleaning up my desk, I'm like trash gone. I've I've got a whole USPS shipping box of energy sitting on my floor right now. Oh my lord! When we lose our energy, that's where it ends up in Brian's <laughs> living room or bedroom. Yeah, speaking of that competitive stint you had out there. What was your favorite deck that you played from like all its all time? Um, the D- Diamond Pearl era is always going to resonate with me the most because that was the longest time I spent doing competitive. Because uh, like I-, I started going to that Rochester League in Ruby Sapphire era, and so like I was just getting my bearings on things. And so when like Diamond Pearl rolled around, we were going to multiple cities, multiple state championships, other regionals in the area. Um, I mean, nationals every year. And so like that's the the era that resonates with me the most. So like two decks that I used to play in uh, Diamond Pearl era that I always remember is Rhyperior Level X and uh, an Ampharos that was unfortunately not a Level X. This was before those existed. But there was an Ampharos that I think did it either did damage on an energy attachment, which Ampharos does a lot, or it stopped supporters or something like that. I'll have to look real quick. But those are the two decks that I always remember the most because I piloted both those decks for almost an entire season. Uh, So they kind of just always stuck in my brain. Was it I'm looking at one right now. Was it like a level one? Um, The level on it? The the Rhyperior? No, the Ampharos. Um, it was from Secret Wonders, if I remember correctly. It, I see one here. It's got the ability Jamming. Yes. After your opponent plays a supporter card from his or her hand, put a damage counter on each of your opponent's Pokemon. Yeah, that was it. And then Oof. what? Cluster Bolt, 70 damage. You may discard all electric energy attached to Ampharos. If you do this attack, does 30 damage to each of your bench. Each of your opponent's bench Pokemon that has an energy card attached to it. Why can't yep, we well, have that now? That's that a was, cool that card. <laughs> and that'd that be that'd one. be like a decent card now, ability wise. Yeah. 
the uh the Rhyperia that I played actually was the one that I tried to bring back because it got quote reprinted uh a couple sets back. Oh, the mill? The mill one? Yeah, the, the mill one. Yeah. It uh it, it did re- pretty much I think the same exact ability. Um but the the level X did a bunch of damage and stuff, so it was a little bit different. But it it was a combo mill attack deck. So I kinda had two ways mm-hmm. to win, depending on. You know, I, I looking at all this and talking about all this, it'd be really cool. Maybe I'll, I'll try to force myself to do this to like keep a deck sleeved just somewhere else when rotation hits and then go back and be like, this was my favorite deck in the in the block we have right now. Like have have like a a Zoro rock deck sleeved up or like mm-hmm. my Dusk main deck that I play. That'd be really cool to look back like three, four years and be showing someone like, oh, this is the deck I play. This is what the supporters looked like. This is what where the game was at. Mm. This is a Guzma. <laughs> we really miss him. Please I come would, back. <laughs> I would love to have those decks today. Uh, and like I could easily get the cards because TCG player has them and stuff. But uh, like just trying to remember a list from back then. Oh, yeah, that's would probably be pretty difficult. Super hard. Especially because my lists were always kind of unconventional. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's was not the, like I can look game, up an old list. Or anything was the like game that. in a place where you could make more unconventional lists? I, I think so. Um, there, there was obviously always the BDIFs. Um, like dur- during the SP Diamond and Pearl era, uh, Lux Chomp was huge and everywhere. Uh, there was a Shuppet that was stupid good for some reason. Nice. I- I can't remember what it did now, and I feel terrible about it. I'll I'll, I'll try to find it, but uh, but yeah, there was a, a Shuppet deck that was really big. So uh, like at that point, you were either playing the Shuppet deck or you're playing Lux Chomp, or you're trying to play just something else, and you didn't always do good with that something else, but you tried. Uh, but you tried. I, I feel I feel back then you just had a little bit more wiggle room, and there was more options because there wasn't as much cards that were like kind of like meta defining like i mean we got the tag teams now and they're just so big and beefy and strong that it's like you can't ignore the tag teams as much as you want to in some situations and so it's like you either play these like four decks or you potentially just struggle and i don't feel like it was that way as much back in that era interesting i and that and that kind of brings us to a question that we were going to ask you that I think might be one of the bigger conversations on this episode. Looking at where the game was, and we can even say in your heyday of playing competitively compared to where the game is now, I'm going to ask you this question on two sides. Okay. The first question is, where do you think the game has gone in terms of a positive direction? Do you think... Do you think overall where the game is now, and this is considering competitively, community-wise, access to the game, the way the game has evolved, how has the game evolved in a, in a positive way since since you played? Uh, I Community would be my number one for that aspect. Uh, I mean, okay, so just full disclosure, I've been to every single Nationals that they've had. Uh, Which is for, crazy. From North, North America. 
And it every year, um, I, I think it kind of plateaued a little bit now. But for the longest time, like every year, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And that was always really cool to see. It, it was really cool to just see the game grow and the community get bigger. Um, and, and so it was always kind of just really inviting. And like when people say, like, oh, Pokemon, I thought that game was dead. It's like, no, we just had a Nationals that had like over a thousand people in it. Where have you been? Uh, <laughs> so th- that part was always uh, really fun to see. Cards look cooler nowadays, too. <laughs> how many How many people would you say, what, like, if I can guesstimate, is how many people would, would be at that first regional? Oh, fun story. Uh, uh, I I would say that first... Okay, so, uh, Joe, you were at Internet last year. Yeah. So you know how big that hole was? Yeah. The first Nationals was probably... Maybe an eighth of that hall. Oh boy! So, for a frame of reference, people who might not know what hall we're in, we're in the Columbus Convention Center in the I think the big big hall. So mm-hmm. usually, um, Pokemon's there every other year or every year for Internets. They have I think Gen Con in there or Origins. Uh, or- Origins. 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 Gen Con's in Indianapolis, where Internationals also was for quite a while. Um. But yeah, so like the, it was really fun when it moved back to Columbus because that's where it was for the longest time because Nationals was always held at Origins. And so the, the fun thing about Nationals back when it was at Origins is because if you didn't do good in the tournament, uh, I mean, now you have just like a flood of side events to do, but you could go to all of these like different uh, game companies and vendors and not only look around, but try new board games. Like I bought so many board games during those nationals just because we demoed them there and it was super fun. So it, it was kind of like a nice little side thing to do when you were at nationals back then. Wasn't even Pokemon related. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really cool. And I think another kind of extra dimension you have to card games is you just play a lot of games, mm-hmm. board games, card games. You're involved. With that a lot of that stuff. And I think everyone nowadays, probably for financial reasons, is they're really focused on one game. Yeah. And right. I, I don't I don't blame them for that at all. It, 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 if you're gunning for a, like a competitive play level. It's hard to keep up with more than one game, like for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that. People that try to play competitively in multiple games at a high level, you you have to both have the time, and you have to have the finances. Yeah, has has the, how have the finances changed in the game? Have they changed at all? Um, not a whole lot from what I remember. Um, obviously, certain cards have gotten that were expensive have gotten cheaper. There was a point in time where Rare Candy was like a six to ten dollar card. Uh, that's pretty, that's pretty wild. Yeah, no, thank you. Because <laughs> uh, like it was only printed once back then, and so for the longest time it was only in that set. And when that set kind of went out of print, it got stupid expensive. And then it finally got printed again in a late Ruby Sapphire set or an early Diamond Pearl set. I don't remember offhand, but it, it finally mean, got printed again. Were the were the best cards like like today? Okay, 
you take the like one of the better cards in the format, Reshiram Charizard tag team is like thirty five dollars. Yeah, was that what one of the best cards would be then, or is that a lot more than what it was? Um, I, I'd say it's probably a little bit more, just because like everything's just kind of gone up. But in comparison to like what thirty five dollars would have been like ten years ago, mm-hmm. they're probably about the same. Like I, I would say. Like just using Lux Chomp as an example again, the the Lux Ray SP that was in that deck was probably in, in the twenties, uh, as well as the Garchomp. If if I had to take a guess, um, which honestly, I was like, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> I was always kind of budgeted out of decks like that, just because I mean this was ten years ago. Uh, I I mean actually, I mean Lux Chomp was even further back than that. Uh, so like I was living at home, I was either still in high school or close to graduating high school. And so like, I didn't have stable income and, and stuff like that. So I was often priced out of those bigger decks, which was why I was playing things like Ampharos and Rhyperior. But, uh, so yeah, it, it was probably around the, the $20 level, give or take maybe more, but yeah, for, for what, money was back then compared to what money is now i'd say it's roughly the same okay i I guess that's that's good to see that nothing is blown up too much i mean obviously you have the the leleys that are at that were at their 45s and the shaman Mm -hmm. and i mean even now what computer search if you want to play expanded is still in the 40s yeah that's Um, probably one of the biggest comparisons to that uh was uh Uxi, which had the same ability as shaman um that was a normal rare and for the longest time that normal rare was probably in the high 20s at the minimum uh until it got printed as a leak promo and then it sharply went down <laughs> i pokemon should do that more it, uh, they should on 110 percent I think I think that would be crazy useful to like print Jirachi as a promo. Actually, we made that joke on Monday too, because we were talking about Jirachis and how they blew up the thirty dollars a piece. <laughs> and I was saying like, no, they should make Jirachi promos. It'd be so much easier. But you know, sure. I like since I first started playing again a couple of years ago, the promos weren't very good. Pokemon's actually had done a decent job in reprinting on some pretty good stuff. Like they did get uh, Naganadels out, which is pretty great. Yeah, they they did get a lot better uh, during kind of around Ultra Prism, uh, give or take. Like we still got some duds here and there, like Guzzlord. But yeah, but we got, we, we got like Buzzwool. We got baby. Yeah, Buzz we got Wolf baby Buzz. Buzz. We got uh, Naganadel. We got. Uh, uh, I mean, Steven's Resolve was a promo at one point. Yeah, and uh, that was, was good that for was a while. Pretty sought after card. It's still a decent card. It just doesn't yeah. the decks it's in doesn't see a lot of play. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a super useful card. That I think our biggest complaint lately has been that the promos were like, "Hey guys, check out this really dope Kiawe card. You have two months to play it." <laughs> my my only hope with that is because like I, I look at the Japanese list and like Sightseer is getting an alt art and Welder's getting an alt art. My my only hope is that now that we've got these ones out of the way, that next uh, cycle's 
promos will be actually in format alt arts. Now That's we've fair. gotten a lot of the newer ones or the older ones out of the way that hopefully will get those like sightseers and welders and other such stuff that keeps getting reprinted in Japan. Yeah, it, it would be nice to start getting cards. I mean, like the art is really great, but yeah, you know, I I really don't know when I will be using those really nice enhanced hammers mm. or the really useful rescue stretcher when August comes around. <laughs> absolutely but your your metal frying pans will be good to go yes <laughs> it's, it's got that, that killer is... art with all the other protecting things on the wall <laughs> yeah the, all that useful stuff buffer piece for for, for all your hard charm for, for dude hard charm i played during hard charm that, that was my that's my early playing stages was hard charm <laughs> and muscle band that's how little i've been playing the game hard yeah. charm and muscle band is like my back in the day I got Fluffy Berry. No idea what that is. It was Floatstone. Just it was just a Fluffy Berry. That's see <laughs> why can't we have Fluffy Berry instead of Floatstone? Well, I know the biggest thing and the biggest joke we had going for a while is trying to get the ticket rare Floatstone, just a big gold rock. <laughs> yeah, you want to pay fifty dollars for a pebble that's been zoomed in on? I would love that. <laughs> Look at this beautiful CG rendering of a giant <laughs> rock. Yeah, just <laughs> trying to think, is there any any secret rares that are like that right now? That are just like in design the simplest things on the planet? Uh, I mean I mean no, I mean, nothing would be a giant if, rock. If you wanna if you wanna get technical, all the ball cards are just a circle. But, well, but it herb. doesn't beat a rock. <laughs> like life herb is just a big life piece. herb. Grass. <laughs> yeah, why are certain SRs still like eight or nine dollars? What was I looking for the other day? I was looking for an SR in one of the proxy decks that I'm playing. I think it was like Dragon Talon or something. Is Dragon oh, yeah. Talon an SR? And it's like that a nine dollar card. And it's like shut shut up. Why why would that ever be a nine dollar card that's that's ridiculous that it would ever even happen that way. <laughs> Dragon Talon should never be a $9 card, but it is, and that's a bummer. I do want to move into the other side of the question, though, so we don't go on too many tangents, which, side note, is totally okay that we do that. <laughs> How has the game gotten worse in your respects, as both as a, a personal player and someone that has seen the game grow? Like, for example, we have tag teams right now. We have, a, we have cards in the format that if they get knocked out, you you take half of the prize cards needed to win the game. Mm -hmm. how, how do you think that has impacted the game as a whole? I feel like car, cards like the tag teams. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be just completely blunt and say that I hate tag teams as a mechanic. Uh, I don't mind the fact that they put two Pokemon on a card. I think that's really cool. Um, but just the entire concept that if one Pokemon gets knocked out, you're halfway to winning, I think is really stupid. Uh, it I feel like it, it sped the game up significantly. And I, I feel it's mostly because they're really focused on the best of three stuff. And I, I mean, I myself played heavily in formats that were best of one. For everything and, and honestly just me as a player best of three is exhausting 
uh like as someone who usually like wins and loses and then has to play a game three i mean if, if you're four rounds in you're looking at you've played 12 games already and i don't know for me that's exhausting <laughs> yeah it's a marathon I, it's huge and when i went to my one and only regional that i've been to and hoping to be the many more i like i started out pretty well i think i started out three oh and one or something and then end of the day four four one and looking back on it i played so many three game series mm-hmm. and you, you see that do. yeah towards the end of the night you're like um ultra ball for oh oops i threw away my only supporter oh that's a bummer like you, you do stuff that you would never have done at like 9 a.m <laughs> i uh the the one time i've actually played Nine rounds, best of three. Uh, not nine. It wasn't. It was. It wasn't nine. It couldn't have been nine. It had to have been. Back in the day, it was two, seven, seven or eight. It was a regional. It was a Fort Wayne regional. So maybe it was nine. I don't know. But it, it was we'll a lot. Nine for today, we'll call it nine. <laughs> we'll come so to the round of eight. <laughs> the one time I played the whole tournament out, and it was only because I saw a shot of doing day two. Uh, and I, I didn't end up making day two, but I did get $250 from that tournament. Oh, that's nice. So that was nice. I was playing Volcanion. So thankfully it didn't actually take a whole lot of thought. Uh, <laughs> and this was, was this the, the like Volcanion that we all know? The Volcanion yeah, the, the Volcanion EX. This was probably the steam up one. This was right before the switch came out. Okay. Uh, so when, when did the switch come out? 2017. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so. This, this would have been regionals of 2016. So it was right before that. It was, it was like October the, area. I like the frame of reference to this like switch era. Because <laughs> I use I use the tournament money to pay for my switch. That's okay. <laughs> Just for listeners that are utterly confused, no, he is not talking about the card switch. <laughs> he is talking about the Nintendo video game console. <laughs> Sorry for that. Not the the uh, withheld information. Just, it was way before <laughs> Switch came out. <laughs> when did Switch come out? Uh, nineteen ninety eight. Okay. It was right after Fluffy Berry, and right oh, before yes. Floatstone. Significantly era. before Fluffy Berry. Um, but yeah, no, like that was the only time I played every single round, and that was the most exhausting day I've ever had. The by the end of the last round, me and my opponent were both so brain dead. I'm pretty sure he had game. But he scooped to me. And so I just took it. I mean, <laughs> I've definitely had that happening before where I'm playing a game. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. He's got game in hand. And he's kind of sitting there and he's like, uh, Ultra Ball, both Guzmas. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and Clearly for Guzma. Ultra Ball, Guzma, Guzma. He's searching his deck, searching his deck, searching his deck. Dude, Lately. I, I don't have any more Guzmas on deck. <laughs> oh, man, that really sucks. I'm sorry, dude. Um, but I like I don't know. It, it seems to work for the competitive players. And I mean, whatever works for you, great. But I mean, playing best of one was lovely. Like we'd get done at na- day, like day one of nationals. A long time ago, nationals was a two day event. But you always played both days unless you dropped. 
So it was it was like 10 rounds, but they'd play like six one day and four the next day, or like five and four if it was nine. They kept it really easy. It ended like fairly quickly. You still had like your evening to go out and have dinner and hang out and everything like that. But like now, day one of internets is nine rounds best of three and it just goes on forever and you're not getting done until like nine o'clock ten o'clock at night and it's the worst which which format promotes a higher skill level um do you think best of three but best of three does to me just because it's more adaptive so like if you take that l on the, the first match you can think back and go, okay, what could I do differently to win this time? Or what do I have to look for? Or what can I try to like self tech against? Mm-hmm. Whereas best of one, you have to do that like very instantly and on the fly, which on the other hand is also does promote good play. But back then there was a lot more donking potential. Um, so that's why a lot of people got mad back then about best of ones is because there were so many ways to like turn one donk your opponent yeah eventually eventually we got yeah yeah eventually we got the you can't attack on your first turn thing to prevent that but then shortly after that we also got oh we're doing best of three now so i'm like but you fixed it i no stop but that's where we're at (laughs) you know i wonder i always think about that both in i see the shift in esports too i am not a big I'm not a big League of Legends guy in terms of playing the game, but as a fan of esports, I think the way that League of Legends has grown is incredible. And recently they switched back to a best of one the past year, year and a half or so. And that's such a longer game that mm-hmm. can be adjusted and adapted. But I I I gotta agree. I think I think best of threes promote the best play. And I think if you're really if you're really trying to promote like techs, like a one of. Yeah. If you're playing a best of one and you exhausted that card because you figured you didn't need it, and then your opponent just kind of shows you up, you have no way to get that back. And maybe, maybe like you said, maybe it does promote more careful play in a best of one. I, I could definitely say it did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we we didn't have I mean back then we didn't have too many situations where we had I mean like we didn't have stuff like versus seeker or a whole lot of recursion in general. So you had to play a little bit more of a methodical game. Whereas with versus seeker and with um with like various like rescue stretchers and various other recursion cards. You could just go through your whole deck. You're just like, yeah, I don't care at all. I'll draw through half my deck turn one. I don't care. Whereas before, it's like, if you draw half your deck on turn one, oh boy. <laughs> like you bet, you better be sure you're gonna win. Yeah, you better, you better be set. You better have all of your pieces. With with like competitive part in mind, uh, when did you start like slowing down the competitive play? So the only reason. I slowed down on competitive play was because my group kind of fell apart. Um, so like that was roughly the time 
uh, I don't know if any of you guys met Vince. He's the, the older Asian guy that's been at GG a couple times. I think I met him once. Um, but he, he he was always like our group driver. Like he would drive everywhere because he either judged or played. And so he would drive us everywhere. <laughs> and so he ended up uh, becoming significantly more busy. And he ended up eventually moving to, to Chicago. Uh, Ron drove a lot and he ended up moving to Ohio and the le- building that we were running our league out of in Rochester Hills uh, got closed by the city. It was a precinct building. Uh, so that one got closed by the city. And so we were just kind of our, our little group that was still there was kind of hopping around place to place. And then eventually we just kind of all just fell off. And so that was roughly the time I stopped focusing too much on competitive play just because I couldn't get anywhere. At least I couldn't get anywhere that I wanted to get to because <laughs> I'm not big on driving. <laughs> so it was like, a, do I really want to go all the way over there? No, not really. And so I just kind of dialed it back. And so like for the longest time, I was still like buying and collecting. But I I wasn't building a whole lot. Um, the group I was playing with was pretty small at that point, And then eventually... I found out that Gamers Gauntlet existed and we set up shop there and the rest is history. But yeah, I mostly just stopped because the group fell apart and I was in college at the time. And so I wanted to focus on that, my YouTube stuff. And so it just kind of slowly died out. <laughs> Took a backseat, really. Yeah. 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 Because I know a lot of times, like for the people who play more competitively, it rolls up a lot of costs trying to get to a tournament mm-hmm. and so splitting rooms rides is really important trying to get to a place for a tournament i know i me and a buddy of mine split going just down to internet internets last year and it was a lot of fun but it took a little hit financially but mm-hmm. not as bad as it would be or it would be worse if i went by myself so right. that makes complete sense um when did when did you decide to become a professor and a judge um, so you wait, I mean, back, I, I actually don't know what it is now, to be honest. Um, but back, or was it? Yeah, way back at the beginning, you could apply to be a professor at 16, I think. And so when I turned 16, I went ahead and applied. Uh, the league that we were running out of in Rochester Hills, uh, there was one main the like the the league owner uh matt he did kind of everything and me as someone who just wasn't that good of a player wanted to help out the best i could in other ways and so i talked to him about i was like well i I can get all my like credentials situated like i i can help you with the league and everything like that so you don't have to keep doing everything because he, he's, he's significantly older. And so I'm like, I can like take a little bit of the load off. And so when I turned 16, I applied. I got it. And so I became a, a league leader for for the Rochester Hill store. That's roughly the same time Jeff did, too. And so it, it was just mostly out of desire to be helpful and remain part of the community, even though I knew I was terrible at the game. 
So, so that, that was my way of being helpful and being a part of the community without just consistently winning things because that was never going to happen. But eventually it went from 16 to 18. And that was when I was 17. And so I lost it. <laughs> oh, you got it revoked. Yeah. Like your driver's license. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, I'm 16. I can finally drive. Mm, actually, it's going to be 20. Wait, what? Yeah, that car you just bought? It's worthless now. You can't drive it. <laughs> and so it, w- it was really funny because they'd always do a Professor Cup event at Nationals. And so I got to play in the uh, 2005, I think, was the first one they did. Uh. I'd have to double check my math, but I, I want to say 2005. Uh, so I got to play in that one, but then when 2006 rolled around, I couldn't play in that one because <laughs> oh. I had my status revoked. But next year, I got to apply again, and of course, I got it again. Yeah, um, I was going to say, did you have to reapply? Yes, yes. Uh, it, you have to actually like reapply every year. Uh, not, it's not so much a reapply as you just have to retake the little test thing just to make sure you know what you're doing. I have a, I have a funny story about that test thing. <laughs> so I, I got a lot of fun stories about the professor test, but it's so when I had like this brief stint where we, we started, tried to start up a league in our, in our, like my actual local area and it's still there, but it, it definitely has a small community and I was like, oh, I can, I can, I can apply to be a professor. This, this is not going to be a hard thing. I'm way, I'm, I'm, I'm over college, so I'm definitely like inept enough to to handle this. <laughs> it is a children's card uh, game. I, I got uh, this. Uh, 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 and so I took the test. <laughs> literally, when I was just doing like seven other things, I think I was in like a Discord call, maybe playing like overwatch or something and i was like oh yeah guys like while i do this like i gotta i gotta do something on the side and i think i like i think i missed the test by like a question and just (laughs) didn't pass the test (laughs) and i'm sitting there looking back at the questions i'm like there's no way i missed a question and it was totally something it's like the equivalent of being super anxious taking a test in school and you're like two plus two it's seven (laughs) <laughs> and then you look back at the test and you're like what was i thinking what was you, i doing i was Always not anxious the calculator no matter what <laughs> yeah well well let's say i'm in third grade and i'm and i'm stupid i don't know um uh so i it was the equivalent of that except i was just distracted not anxious and i just didn't answer things correctly and they're like oh you can you can retake the test in three months and i was like ah oh, that's a really long time <laughs> Hey Joe, let's do a podcast. No, it, was not, it was not around the same time as that, but it it was probably like a year or two years ago. Seriously, I just wasn't paying attention. So those of you who want to be a judge out there, odds are playing video games with friends while trying to become a judge in the same moment, probably not your best choice. Correct. Uh, especially because some of the questions can get really freaking tricky. Like... <laughs> Uh, I I know, like back when I was first taking the tests, um, they were really bad at it, and they were they were really bad at keeping it current. So there was times where a rule changed, but the test wasn't updated for the rule change, and one of the options fit the rule change. 
And so you'd naturally click that one because that was the one that was current and correct. And then you would get it wrong because it wasn't updated for the correct ruling. And did they like, did they do anything about it? Um, it, it, it depends if you uh, like contacted them and addressed it and they actually got back to you in quicker time than a month. Uh, then <laughs> they usually were like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's correct. We'll, we'll get to updating that. And they would credit you if, if, that would make you pass and you passed. Sometimes it didn't matter. Um, there's also was questions like in the Diamond and Pearl era, and they were asking questions about like a Johto set or something because they never bothered to take that question out of the question rotation. It was really funny. Like that that test was a mess for years. <laughs> so speaking of those whole, I remember you mentioning setting up shop at our the card shop that we all play at. Um, how hard is it really to set up a league? Um, I heard it's a lot quicker now. Um, it, it's not hard at all. You have to be a, I don't even think you have to actually be a professor, but you have to apply for kind of like, a an, I think it's under the professor banner. Now it wasn't in the past because you could actually be a tournament organizer without being a professor. As professor was more or less just judge back then, but now professor kind of encompasses everything. Um, so I think you have to be a professor now. But as as long as you have your your proper credentials, all it is is like you click a button that's like create new league, and you have to just have a proper address. A lot of times now they want you to run out of an actual store. Um, so I can't do you... from my basement. Correct. It can't be out of a residential <laughs> yeah, place. I don't. I don't think that's legal in a lot that's of ways. That's also true. Come play this children's card game at my house. <laughs> but I, I know there are leagues that run out of like an occasional fast food place. Um, if that location's oh, okay I, with it, I did see one at Arby's once. Yeah, there was there was that a phenomenal a fairly local group that used to meet up at Arby's. It's not super local. It's like an hour and a half or two hours away. But I uh, kind of was like taught by some of those judges, and so, so I, I I know of that one. There was one I read on the professor forums that operated out of a subway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, libraries generally work too. Um, libraries are usually good places to host leagues and stuff at. But nowadays, they really want you to push to to operate out of actual card shops. Because that's just kind of their whole mo now. Well, it, gener- uh, it generates actual revenue instead of ordering a correct. number seven. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you right? Yeah, I won. You get a free you slurpee. Get a sub. Oh, you get a free six inch sub. <laughs> yeah, if you're fifth win, five dollar foot long. If you go two if you, and one, if you, you know, get ten, if you get ten wins, you get a free foot long. Which is like eight dollars now, because wow. Dude, okay, I went zero and three. I don't have. I don't food for tonight. <laughs> I was banking on this one. You went zero and three. You have to starve. Sorry, yeah. Timmy. Um, Dude, but no, it, it's it's crazy. not it's not complicated. It it used to take some time, but uh, Pokemon as a company has gotten significantly better over the last year, year and a half at being a lot quicker to respond to emails and requests and all that stuff. They used to be really bad. <laughs> I I had a pending uh, 
email support question that took like four months, five months to resolve. Yeah. That's how bad it used to be. <laughs> okay. So putting on your professor judge hat for a second here. Mm -hmm. So I know we've had this conversation before um, in our local leagues. Um, some people do it. Some people don't. It's kind of been seen upon a lot of cheating going around too targeting so uh, this is a question i've always wanted to ask um you as a professor and a judge mm -hmm. so when people get deck checked people get deck checked but checking out your card list and things like that checking out your sleeves when is a when is a when can you tell really but maybe a judge is targeting you for any f specific reason or when do you think you should bring another judge in when a judge is going too far trying to catch you in some kind of moment um, I think the, the easiest way to go about answering this is how meticulous they end up being. There are some judges that are just kind of meticulous in general. I know several of them. Um, but I mean, me as a judge, this is, uh, this would be how I would typically deck check. Uh, if the deck wasn't organized, I'd organize it. Check to make sure the list is accurate. If if it was, there was no problems. I'd flip through the fronts of the cards, make sure that everything looks okay. Nothing's backwards or anything like that that could lead to marked card situations. Make sure everything's okay from the front, flip it over, check the backs of the sleeves, make sure those aren't marked in any sort of situation. If everything was okay, check the list, move on. Um, anything more than that, I would say you have reason to believe you could be getting targeted. Uh, there, there becomes a, a certain point where if you do more than that, like everything I described was, was even further than some people would go. Some people wouldn't check the fronts or check the directions of cards. So are there any, like are there like any set criteria and the rules from a judge standpoint that they should be following by that like this is our criteria this is what you follow and if you're going beyond beyond that it's beyond your scope of practice general criteria is check the list make sure the list is accurate and check the uh the the backs of the sleeves to make sure that there's no marked card situation anything more than that is that judge doing what they do and if if it's significant, then I, I would say, yeah, there's there's a chance you could be targeted if they're like taking cards out of sleeves. I would never unless I was checking the sleeve itself, because there are times where like a sleeve is nicked or ripped in a certain part and you want to take the card out to look at the sleeve better. In that situation, that's fine. But if they're like taking out like every card or a bunch of cards or some, I would say, yeah, there's, there's probably a targeting situation going so, on there. So what would you do in that case then? Um, the, if you, if I was the player, uh, the best thing I would do is just bring it up to the head judge. If that was the head judge, uh, yeah. I would bring it up to the tournament organizer. Uh, and then it's kind of the balls in their court. If they say, well, that's just, they're doing what they're doing. There's not a whole lot you can do about it other than after every tournament, if you go onto your account on Pokemon.com, there is a little thing that just says report an issue and you can send it Pokemon's way. 
honestly, like if you do bring it up to Pokemon, they're probably not going to do anything unless it happens several, several times. So it's worth recording it at least in case it does happen several times. No one just really does it. Correct. Um, okay. A lot of times people don't even know that feature exists on Pokemon.com, but it does. So if you do have a continuous problem with uh, a certain judge or a certain tournament organizer or anything like that, or if the event you go to is just run super bad, go ahead and go ahead and report it. Like I said, chances are nothing's actually going to happen, but it's it's always worth putting in a little effort. Yeah, so. and for the for, for the listeners too, with, without reporting reporting problems like that, Pokemon can't keep an eye on everybody. So getting those problems keeps an eye out on what's going on. A lot of times, mm-hmm. they may fix the problem, they may not. Um, but the biggest thing is that without recording it, we don't ever know, and they can either fix the problem or provide more proper resources for um, future professors and judges and league organizers and um, tournament organizers. So I think if people can start reporting more, it'd be actually kind of great type of thing, because who knows, it might get more resources coming out, resources coming out to people. It might be helpful. And I can say for sure that they do listen. If they see a player as getting a whole lot of penalties, that player usually gets a soft ban or gets a message or gets like the tournament organizer, which they would play generally could get notified or something like that. And if there's a professor that's getting a lot of, I don't want to say penalties because that's not it, but negative strikes. Yeah, strikes then you could get your professorship revoked. If you are a player that is also a professor and you do some dumb crap, you can get your professorship revoked. You might not get banned from the game, but you will get banned from the professor program. So, Yeah, and I think behave. from what all you're saying about, yeah, there's just general behavior. Also, as a player, I think from what we've seen, I think in the past couple of years, the accusations have really started to go sky high with stuff. Mm -hmm. As Joe said, talk to the right people. If someone is cheating or a judge is targeting you or something, don't... I've never supported going to social media and exposing (laughs) them because that doesn't fix the problem. It creates more problems. it, It creates more problems. And, and also like, nitpicking a judge is also not what you should be doing. If you feel that you're getting targeted, like you said, have that conversation. But if you feel like you're getting targeted, you don't have that conversation, then you start telling everyone you get targeted. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't create a positive environment in any way. So for, for, for your sake as a judge, we just need to keep that in mind and be, be mindful about when we notice these things. So it's a good thing that, Joe, you brought that up to talk about. Yeah, it, it, I mean, for the record, if you feel you're being targeted, uh, I would I would first go to the tournament organizer and say, hey, I think this judge is targeting me. Uh, alternatively, go to the judge you think is targeting you. Just be up front and go, hey, why are you doing what you're doing? I would say that would be second because I'm not the type of person that enjoys confrontation. But <laughs> uh, that that is an option, too. Like if like the worst thing you do, if you do feel like you're being targeted or you do feel like the staff's being really bad at an event is just go tell everybody about how bad it is. 
It's like, oh, the this place was terrible. It was the worst. This judge doesn't know what he's doing. It's bad. Then do something about it. Don't go tell your cronies. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well Cause said. Because actually, this happens in life too. When you false or when you accuse somebody of something, and it gets out there, and they actually didn't do anything like that, it really tarnishes that person's reputation to call a fair game from then on. Yeah, I I think that these are all really really awesome points. The probably the last question we have about judging, just for the sake of asking, have, what's the craziest thing you've ever had to mediate as a judge? If anything, super crazy. Um, hmm. and there's no names or anything, but obviously just there, the event in itself. There's unfortunate. <laughs> there's unfortunately not a whole lot. Uh, I really want there to be some really crazy story. Uh, but there isn't. Uh, <laughs> that's the, probably a good thing. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's fair. Uh, the one thing that comes up a lot is it, for for people out there listening. Please be very mindful of your deck lists. If you play a normal one, a full art, and a hyper, those are three different cards on your deck list. Don't put them all under one card, because then you have to find two more of that other card. Don't do that. It's bad. I've had to give out a ton of game losses for that, because people don't know how to fill out a deck list. Um, Alternatively... If you are playing somebody with the same sleeves, please count your decks afterwards. There was, there was an instance where someone took someone else's card and they didn't know until the tournament was over that one player was playing with a 59 card deck and the other player was playing with a 61 card deck and they didn't know because that card was in both decks. Oops. Uh, so please be mindful of that. Also, don't drop cards. Um, Michael Long. It's also <laughs> terrible. Especially if you don't intend to cheat. Uh- <laughs> For those of you who know, Michael Long played a Greninja deck and got banned because he kept a lot of Greninjas and I believe Professor Sycamore's in his pocket. Judge told him to stand up, be like a bunch of puck hearts popped out and he escorted him out of the building. He was a good player for, well, he was known as a good player because he topped all these events with his Greninja break deck. So, and he also conveniently never seemed to get too far on the live streams. I know there's been, I know there's been some crazy rules in Pokemon too. I think the favorite, my favorite one is about, I guess if the person has poor hygiene, you can actually call the jump judge on them. Dude, that's the mm-hmm. best rule in any card game. So, that is the best story. Rule. Um, so this this happened at the regionals that I did well at. About two seats down from me. Uh, I was probably probably middle tables at the time because like I wasn't on a winning streak the whole day. I, I lucked out a lot toward the end. But uh, the about, about two seats down from me, this guy was drunk off his butt. Uh, <laughs> he uh, when when they did the like first turn handshake, he shook this guy's hand for probably a solid minute and a half and wouldn't let go. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. I really uh, want to let He took it in stride. They started playing. He started talking about how he got sacked the, the round before, and he said that he went to the bar next door and drank his miseries away. And <laughs> for a children's <laughs> card game? 
<laughs> Needless to say, uh, a couple turns into the round, uh, two judges came over and said, yeah, you're done. <laughs> and he was disqualified from the event. Yeah, and then he went to drink his miseries away. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Have you seen any other crazy uh, uh, tournament rules at all or anything that come up? Not, not a whole lot. That I can think of off the top of my head. A lot so of unspoken what, rules. Yeah, cause actually, well, I remember this one story you told me about. There's one regional so like the, with mirrors on the ceiling. Oh, oh, that's a fun one. <laughs> so he uh, blessed Derek. Derek was the way back when, like certain states kind of had like a, a premier tournament. Excuse me, premier tournament organizer, and so like they were in charge of the regionals for the area the state tournaments for the area um, and like managing the cities for the area. Other tournament organizers could run cities, but he was in charge of like monitoring all the cities. And so he was the, the PTO for like Michigan, Indiana and part of Ohio. And so like bless him. He, he was the PTO for the area until they stopped doing PTOs, uh, which was probably around the start of, xy somewhere on there but uh yeah so he booked a venue for where were we it was toledo toledo or toronto i don't remember which t it was it was one of those <laughs> and uh he everything was set paid for and all that he gets to the venue goes into the room that they assigned him looks up the entire ceiling is covered in mirrors. <laughs> I'm not sure if you know this, but when you're playing a card game and you look up and see a mirror, you can see your opponent's hand quite well. It's just like Lavender Town. I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> and so throughout this entire event, if you, a judge caught you looking up, for longer than like a second or two because like if you like did something stupid and tilted your head back you weren't going to get a game lost or something but like if if a judge caught you like continuously peering up you got a game loss <laughs> it was terrible but it provided a joke in like our regional community for years <laughs> That is we never crazy. let him live that one down. That was that was great. There was it also completely like just doesn't have anything to do with that. But there was a time where he was giving a speech at a pre-release and called Ditto Dildo. It was fantastic. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. <laughs> was that the same tournament where someone tried or someone tried copycatting? Mm. Or you copycatted? That was, that was that was a local. Yeah, oh. he I I played copycat, and I asked how or I asked how many cards he had. He had no cards in his hand, but he just held up his hands and he had ten fingers. I'm like, okay, copycat. I shuffled in, <laughs> and he's like, why are you doing that? As it because you said you had ten cards. It's like, no, my hands empty. Oops. <laughs> and so I called Matt over and I was like, what do we do? And he's like, well. You get the 10 cards. <laughs> and so you had to meet the 10 cards. Now, granted, it was just a small local thing that didn't 
amount to anything besides credit at the place we were at. So it, it wasn't a big deal. And we joked about it afterwards. But yeah, um, this is why sometimes words, stupid words does win. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes stupid wins. <laughs> Occasional time. That was a time where I was really stupid and I I lucked out. I beat him afterwards. It was, it was beat him down with that 10 card hand. It's the best hand you ever got. <laughs> Heck yeah. All right. Well, before we head out of here, because we I think we've gotten through a lot of awesome content and storytelling and conversation here. Before we head out, I do want to ask you to kind of give you a minute to talk about the stuff that you do, because I know you spend a lot of time outside of Pokemon with some other passions of yours mm-hmm. that are both on YouTube and podcast form, things like that. So why don't you spend some time talking about what you, you spend time doing in your free time in terms of content? All right. So I love toys. Uh, <laughs> I have been collecting toys and buying toys since I was a wee lad. Okay, my mom was buying me toys, but eventually I started to buy <laughs> my own investments <laughs> in first grade. <laughs> uh, and so 2009, I was getting into uh, Japanese tokusatsu. So like Power Rangers is adapted from one of the shows in Japan that falls under that genre. Uh, and so like I always loved Power Rangers. And so when I was starting to get back into it, I also got into the actual like Japanese source material. And so I was getting into all that and I was buying some of the toys. And I had watched a lot of Transformers uh, toy reviewers on YouTube just to see whether I wanted to get the figure or not. I'm like, that seems really easy to do and really fun to do. And so on a whim, I started to do it with a stupid like $30 flip camera thing. Uh, that was horrible quality, but that's what I had to work with in 2009. <laughs> and uh, so I just kept doing that. And for the longest time, I had fairly stable content. And last two years or so has not been the greatest mentally and financially for stuff like that. Uh, so I'm kind of like in a weird curve where like I, I'll do content for like half a month and then i'll go nope and then i'll stop but if you are interested in any of that i do pokemon toys uh like i said power ranger toys uh the japanese tokusatsu toys trying to do some transformers but i haven't really got there yet but if you're interested in any of that uh then you can hit up youtube.com slash collector shiki that is my youtube channel c-o-l-l-e-c-t-o-r hopefully i spelled collector right (laughs) s-h-u-k-i If you're into that, if you are into podcasts like this one, not like this one because it's different content, but podcasts, uh, I do a semi-weekly, we try to do weekly, but sometimes that just doesn't work, uh, called Geek Each Week, uh, and you can find that at geekeachweek.com. And that is kind of like a catch-all sort of show. Uh, One week we'll talk about Spider-Man Far From Home, and the next week we might talk about some new Power Ranger thing or a video game or something like that. So it's kind of just a catch-all geek thing. Uh, And if you are into the Japanese tokusatsu that I was talking about, I'm occasionally on a live stream that my friends do called R the Streets, and you can find that at youtube.com slash RRR, three three R's, not like a seal, infinity. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that's every Friday night at 10 p.m., 
So that that that's always fun. That was a uh, uh, a spiritual sequel to my old podcast, Riders, Rangers, and Rambles. Hence the three R's. But that's that's mostly what I do. I mean, that's a, a lot of stuff, but. Yeah, he's got, stuff, yeah. yeah, you got yeah, you got a lot of great content too on the YouTube. I know you got your you got a what silver button? Yes, I do have a silver got button. Silver, got a silver button. I remember watching one of the YouTube things you guys open. It was like huge Jeff, uh, one of the guys who plays at our, our league, and as a judge and professor as well. Um, I can't remember who. I think it was Ron, one of your friends too. You guys opened up a, a box of Sun and Moon base. Yeah, we were and super excited back then. <laughs> it was like super excited back then, but the funniest thing to me was was like you guys kept opening Lapras and you guys all hated Lapras. And then once uh <laughs> oh, what was next right? that came out? Like everybody hated Lapras and then like people forgot about Ma- uh Max Elixir and then Aquapatch came out the next day after that and then Lapras is really good. Yep. Guardians Rising came to bite yeah. me in the butt on that one. You're right. <laughs> Everybody was bashing Lapras. <laughs> it but was bad at first, though. It was. it was. It was bad at first. Yeah, I say a lot. I say a lot of stupid things in <laughs> my videos that turn out to not be true. I that that's a me thing that happens a lot. Hey, that's just <laughs> the natural flow, and that is that is <laughs> but, awesome. But we make I, those predictions all the time here too. Yeah, like that one time we said Silvalio was rotating. Yeah. <laughs> you wrong. That was, a, that was a big oof, but you know, it, it happens to the best of us when we're making content. So if you have any interest in that con- uh, content or you just want to support Brian and what he has going on for him, support please spend some time. Yeah, so support him. <laughs> he, uh, he, he has a goal of being a millionaire. So let's, let's uh, so- to buy all of the Power Ranger toys, Transformer toys, and to consistently build mediocre vanguard decks i don't know uh it's just something (laughs) something something mediocre deck is my middle name so it's just perfect yeah we'll try to post some of those links down in our uh descriptions too so if you guys are interested and couldn't quite catch the address we will try to put that down for you so you can kind of click it or copy and paste it yeah Yeah, it it will 100 percent be there and thank you so much brian for being a part of this podcast super fun yeah, I, I'm. I'm sure maybe we'll have you again on some sometime in the future. Just let me know. I'm always down. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here with us, and I think with that we are going to head out of here. So thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>